0: Hare Krishna. Panchakalpa Trubyas Chakripa Sindhu Byebajatanam Bhavanabhyo Vaishnavebhyo, Namo Namaha. So today we are beginning with Canto eleven, chapter twenty two, which is uh titled uh Enumeration of the Elements of Material Creation. Or uh, classification of elements. Uh, Vishnu Nath Chakravarti Thakur says In the 22nd chapter, the elements are enumerated with clarification of any contrary explanations and questions about Prakriti and the Jiva and about birth and death are explained. Having clearly understood the meaning of Karma Kanda, Uddhava now begins to ask about the meaning of Jnana Kanda. So Karma Kanda was the last chapter for this chapter, Jnana Kanda, and so it follows in that way, even though in a sense it seems to be about Sankhya because it has this enumeration of elements or Categories for understanding uh, creation. So uh, I'll just give you a little uh, overview of the chapter. It begins, uh, text 1 to 3, which are all translated together, in which Udava asks the Lord to explain why philosophers have differing views concerning the elements of creation. That's his initial inquiry. And then uh, Krishna answers uh, from uh, text 4 through 9. We can send this out later. You can see the text and the the headings. Why philosophers have different opinions. He explains this in several verses. And then this leads him to, in uh, text 10 and 11, to say a few uh, words about the relationship between the Supreme Person and the conditioned soul about Purusha and Prakriti. Those are part of the elements. And so he explains a relationship basically uh, uh, dealing with <laughs> the impersonal view to show that there is such a relationship. And then from 12 to 18... Uh, uh, Krishna gives his own account of the 28 elements of creation Rudra's began by saying you've said uh, 28 but others say 6 9 12 14 whatever you know uh, how does this come about uh so then uh then from 19 to 25 Krishna then ...reviews the different categorical systems propounded by various philosophers... ...the proponents of six elements and seven elements and so on. He reviews those. Then Uddhava comes in with another question, I, I kind of a doubt. Uh, how can you really perceive the difference between spirit and matter? Since the spirit soul, he and the material world, seems to be so connected and closely entangled with matter... How can you tell them apart Uh, so that's his question and 20 uh, to 20 uh, 26 to 28 and then 29 to 34 uh, uh, Lord Krishna gives the different categories to enable us to understand the difference between spirit and matter the proper lens to to look at things through. Uh, then uh, the quest, the then Uddhava asks a question, uh, raising from that st- statement of Krishna in 35 and 36. He wants to know about what happens to those people who can't distinguish spirit from matter and therefore are diverted into fruitive activities. What what happens with him. And then 37 through 59, then Krishna gives a very devastating, to me, description of conditioned material existence. Uh, 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 and what it's like. Uh, and then, uh, and how someone is bewildered and so on. And... Uh, just to help us distinguish ourselves from material nature. And then something he says in, at the end of that description leads Uddhava to ask, uh, and this is the last, this, this ends with this question, the chapter ends 60 and 61, Uddhava wants to know, uh, if one is in the face of subjected to many abuses and offenses, uh, how can he remain uh, or she remain on the spiritual platform that's the, that, and that that ends the chapter, which then leads into the next chapter where Krishna, in order to answer this question uh speaks what's known as the the song of the Avanti brahmana a story a practical story about somebody dealing a lot of abuses. And uh, and offences. So that's that's what this 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 chapter will will take us through. So we begin now. Text one and three, as I said, they're they're done as a as a as a unit. And uh, it's a little bit longer than usual because text two has instead of two lines has three lines. Uh, Uh, So, uh, so uh, we'll we'll try to recite this text, which mostly consists of numbers, the names of numbers. So, So, first let's chant, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, the Bhagavatam begins here, Sri Udhava Uvacha. Sati-tvattvāni visvēsā trin shadvim shatim prahur vim Tasha, Brahur, Shodasaike, Eta, Udasa, Tasha, Etadvam excuse me, Eta Twam, Sankyanam, Vishayo, Yadivakshaya, Gayanti, Pritagayushman, Idam no Vaktum, Adasi. So the, the running translation out here, uh, Udava. Uddhava inquired, it's actually a little easier to read out of here, well, um, inquired, My dear Lord, O Master of the Universe, uh, how many different elements of creation have been enumerated by the great sages? Katvi uh, tatwani. Uh, uh, so the word that's being used here in the plural this tattva. tattwani means tattvas. How many tatvas, sakyatani rishibi, have been enumerated by the rishis? When he says authorities, it's rishi. So how many tattvas? So tattva means a foundational or a basic principle, right? I mean the word tattva in Sanskrit, the word tat is that. And twa is the equivalent of the English suffix N-E-S-S. How many thatnesses? <laughs> Thatness, or suchness. If you like Buddhism, they say suchness. <laughs> uh, so that, that how many tattvas? Uh, uh, Vishva-isha, Vishva-isha, the Lord of the universe. Because really, he's the one that knows what's the real scoop. But because Krishna has given some, but that hasn't stopped many other people from giving their own independent ideas. Right? <laughs> the independent thinkers, huh? uh, oh my master. Huh? And then, uh, in this first verse, uh, uh, Nava uh, Ekadasha. Uh, 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 So here's the words, Nava, Ekadasha, 9, Ekadasha, 11, uh, and pancha, 5, Trini, 3, Atka, Tuam. You have stated Iha during your time here. Iha is here and many times Iha is used in Vedic literature to mean this world. So during your time in this world, you have given, uh, you add them together, nine plus 11 plus five plus three. That's what you've stated. So all these sages have said different things, but this is what you said, right? Uh, and so we'll go over what, what Krishna said, but, but right now, uh, when he says nine, uh, the nine are, uh, and you see in the word for word, they, they, uh, I think they, 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 say this. Do they not? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 God, the individual soul, Ishwara, Jiva, Mahatattva, uh, the primordial undifferentiated matter, you might say, the mahatatva, uh, false ego, ahankara, and the five gross elements. Plus five, uh, the subtle forms of the sense objects. This is called the tanmatras. The mahabhutas are the gross elements and the tanmatras are the subtle sense objects. Trini plus three, the modes of, of material nature. Our goodness, passion, and ignorance—that's what you've said. Uh, that's why he gives it that way. Uh, 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 but actually, um, uh, when uh, the, 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 yeah, Ekadashi. Oh, excuse me, I skipped that. That's I knew I'm missing something. Plus eleven. First is the is the nine plus eleven. That is the 11, is the, the 10 senses. That is the five uh, Karmindriya and the five Jnanindriya. Jnanindriya is the knowledge acquiring senses, the Karmindriya, the instruments of action, the instruments of perception and the instruments of action. That's 10, plus the mind. And the mind actually belongs to both of those categories. Uh, uh, so that, excuse me, I left those out. So that's the, that's the the twenty-eight: God, the Jiva, the Mahatattva. These are listed in the translation. Uh, They'll number them, but false ego, the five gross elements, the ten senses, the mind, the five subtle objects of perception, and the three modes of nature. Okay. So then it can, but then they, then it goes. But some authorities. <laughs> He says, there, "Anyway, ata tuam icha shushuma." Thus, I have heard you say here that you have said in this world. But then the next, kechit shat vimshatim. Some say kechit uh, sadvimshati prahu. Some say uh, twenty-six. Apare others panshivimshati uh, twenty-five and uh some and some say seven and uh, some nine nava and shot six and some four and some ekadasha 11 and still others Apare, still others say 11 and then others saptash 17 uh, and uh, Sodasa, uh, uh, 16 and 13 that's the There's a whole bunch of different authorities. Notice Uddhava has all in his head, you know. These are not numbers picked at random. He has different thinkers in mind who have said this. Smart guy, huh? Can you remember all that? I can't. Uh, Such calculations, he said, uh, 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 what did each of these sages have in mind? when he calculated uh, the creative elements in such different ways. What did they have? What were they thinking? Yad vivakshaya. What, what did they want to express? Or when they have declared these in different ways, pitak uh, in various manners. Uh, so and then he, he, he addresses Krishna as ayushman, The word, you know, Ayurveda, Ayush means long life. So basically, Ayushman literally means one who possesses longevity. So here they translate as, a really long, eternal. (laughs) (laughs) A really long-lived one, uh, Ayushman. Uh, And then please explain this, uh, Vaktum. You should be pleased to explain this to to us, right? So that's that's his question. Now, uh, we I, I, I do have a chart, uh, which uh, I think the people on Ustream can take a look at it. But uh, some time ago, I think when we were on the nineteenth chapter, this this uh, this came up. No, it wasn't the 19th. It was the 13th chapter. I think this came up. And I made a chart to compile uh, the the elements of creation. Uh, 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 So, according to Bhagavatam, of course, there's a lot in the second canto, and it's elaborated on elsewhere, and sometimes there are different things, but... but, uh, Creation proceeds uh, most immediately from the Lord in this form of Karanadar Navasaya Vishnu, or Maha Vishnu, <coughs> Vishnu lying on the causal ocean. And that uh, with, with, with him, there is uh, Pradhana. Uh, this is primordial, undifferentiated material matter, material nature, you should say. It's called pranana. And then, with his glance, he activates it or electrifies it with uh, kala, time. Now, time is not mentioned as one of the factors, but it's there. He, he activates it. And then, when it becomes activated, pranana is inert, but when the time energy zaps it then it be, is called the Mahapatwa. So pradana and maha-tattva sometimes are used interchangeably, but carefully speaking, activated pradana uh, by the Kala Shakti, the time energy, is called is, is activated pradana is maha-tattva, or sometimes Mahan, just the great Mahat or Mahan means the great, the great principle. And then, when that kala starts to act, uh, uh, the first thing that appears in the Mahatattva or as a transformation of the Mahatattva is ahankara, uh, false ego. Before the living entities are also injected with the glance of the Lord, there's the time factor and that energizes the mahatattva and also the jivas are streaming in too. It's an impregnated glance that he looks at material nature from a safe distance. The Lord does not uh, 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 does not come together in any intimate way with material nature. He impregnates from a distance. He doesn't consort with her, but his glance that does consort with her then becomes Lord Shiva. And in that form, Lord Shiva unites intimately with material nature, but the Lord only is intimate with the spiritual nature, uh, with Lakshmi, uh, with his internal potency. He doesn't consort with his external potency. When he, Prabhupada says this one time, the Lord never intimately consorts with his... External energy, but when he does, he is Lord Shiva. So that that that, that that's what happened. And so then, then with that that uh, uh, impregnating glance, that fecundating glance, then the ahankara uh, is transformed out of the Mahatatwa, and that uh, that that ahankara appears in. Uh, Satwa, Rajas, and Tamas: goodness, passion, or ignorance. So this is one of this is the three, the three modes of nature. If you look through the Bhagavatam, there's different ways and different places of expressing that that threefold division. Uh, like for example, in goodness, uh, that's uh, the energy is called jnana Shakti. The false ego in passion is called kriya shakti. Jnana shakti, the powers that produce knowledge. And, of course, the devas. Because another name for, for goodness is daiva It produces the devas. The devas of false ego in sattva produces the jnana shakti and the controlling system of the universe in the form of the, 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 the devas. It's called daiva passion, Rajas, uh, Kriya Shakti, the energy of action. And this is also called, there's Adhidaiva and then Adhyatma. And then ignorance, uh, Drovya Shakti, the powers that produce matter. And this is also called Adibuta. So there's three different sets of terms. Vaikarika, I didn't mention this one. Vaikarika, this is in the second canto, Vaikarika, Taijasa, and Tamasa are names for this action of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Jnana Shakti, Priya Shakti, Grovya Shakti, and then also Adhidhariva, Adhyatma, and Adhuta. So that's this threefold division. Then out of false ego and sattva, the mind uh, is... is Precipitated out, produced, and also uh, the devata, the, the devas, the controlling devas. out of false ego. In now, now the devas are not mentioned in this category, but they, but but, but when false ego and passion, what comes out of there is buddhi, and the knowledge gathering or acquiring sense of the jnana shakti. And those are five. Shultam, uh, uh, the sense of hearing, uh, the sense of touch, the sense of sight, the, the sense of taste, and the sense of smell, and the, the instruments, that, the powers to do these things, the powers to hear, the powers to see. And then, of course, when you get a gross material body, then you have the nose, the eyes, the tongue, and so on but the actual sensory powers, these five, they are produced out of the mode of passion. But each of them has a controlling deva who's been produced out of the mode of goodness, so they're linked in that way. Uh, And then then another thing that's listed uh, in passion is prana, the life living energy. And this prana is very interesting uh, because on the one hand it's air, it's life air, but uh, there's a prana that's a subtle form of mahatattva. too. We'll, we'll mention that. It's mentioned by Sridhar Swami in his commentary. And then also the other senses that are coming out of the mode of passion again are the karmindriya, the instruments of action. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, The Ganindrya are uh, those instruments by which the world comes into us. And the Karmindrya, that by which we act back on the world. So you can see the elements of creation, what's at the center of the elements of creation is really the Jiva. You know, the modern view is all this stuff appears and the Jiva is a sort of late evolution by some accident. But here the is there in the beginning and all the elements are there for the sake of the jiva. And God's got his finger in every piece of it. He's not just like somebody who created it and stepped back. He's there in various ways like his energies and his representatives. So anyway, they're the active senses, the uh, sense of the instruments of speech, uh, the, the hands, they call them karo, but really manipulation, because say you're a praying mantis. You don't have hands, but you've got these little things, you know, you got something to grab with, you know, and something. A snake doesn't have hands, yeah, because his mouth doubles as a, as, you, know, so, you know. So there's that, that powers. We're using the human body as the prototype, and then they're distorted in different ways. The instruments of locomotion, again, a snake doesn't have legs uh but you know its belly somehow functions and it scales to, to get it to move along and you would have to say wings for those winged animals you know they you know they have ways of getting around and then there's the instruments of reproduction and of passing waste excretion so those are those are the, the that that's the other sense of fire. then the mode of ignorance produces matter, uh, the what's called the gross elements and the subtle elements. So And they, they go they, they evolve one after the other, from subtle to gross. So first thing that shows up is Akasha, space or ether. And associated with space, what's before there is the subtle form of space, which is Shabda. Sound, so sound is first, and then when sound comes, it also somehow evolves into its gross element that's and and sound is the subtle form it's it's not just this sound or that form it's sound as such it's primordial, undifferentiated sound, which is actually the syllable mukar. <laughs> and then that uh, becomes differentiated into other sounds but so there's this, these these so there's the five gross elements that is the, the mahabhutas space then uh, or, or akasha uh, ether then air then fire then water then earth they each have a different because Space, its it's characteristic, its associated element is is sound. Then air, sparsha, has sound and and touch, sparsha, with it. And then fire has uh, uh, sound, form, uh, sounds, touch, and form. When we say sparsha, it means the the objects of the sense of touch. There's no word in English for those things, roughness, smoothness, and so on. Uh, then uh, and then water has the uh, three f- f- uh, further ones of, of Shabda, sparsha rupa and and then rasa taste and then finally earth those four plus ganda odor or smells fragrances so that's that's the if you see the chart it's but anyway this is this is the and uh, you can contact uh, Shraddha mail it out to you and you can also uh, so this this is this is this is what uh, is this is what and so this contains the twenty eight elements that that uh, that that Krishna has uh, interesting that time is not one of them on the other hand, time I am <laughs> Krishna says you know it's like uh, Krishna himself that's this this process of creation so that's the That's the 28 uh, that that are there.
1: And just as long
0: as you can remember this, uh, 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 that's where we find it, huh? Uh, um, Now, um, let me just... uh, Close this note, okay. Now, so uh, uh, yeah. So in in commenting on this verse. Vishnu Chakravarty Thakur says, I read you part of his commentary uh, already. Uh, He says Uddhava is inquiring about the meaning of Jnana Kanda. He first asks for a conclusion to the various statements made by different sages which opinions are correct among those of many sages, each of whom claims, this is what I think. How many elements Then they list? The nine elements, he gives you a preview, are the Lord, the Jiva, the Mahatattva, Ahankara, and the five ghost elements. There are ten senses in the mind. There are five tan mantras and three gunas you have mentioned this total of 28 items. I have heard of them. The three gunas mean Prakriti, material nature. He mentions three gunas because it's been said that only through the three modes of Prakriti arise the two types of Mahatattva. Now here he says there's two types of Mahatattva. interesting. He says sattva gives rise to Mahatattva
1: and rajas
0: gives rise to sutra. He uses this term sutra and ahankara, tamas. So this is another thing here. It says that that that, that, that this Mahatata, uh, uh, Mahatata such is sattva, Vaatata uh, Rajas is sutra and ahankara is tamas, and from uh, ignorance. These do not arise from Prakriti and equilibrium. So this is like an earlier stage of differentiation that I don't see exactly where it's... I didn't pick it up in the Bhagavatam, but I did look up this sutra. uh, 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 And uh, I can find my notes here on this one. Let's see. There it is, okay. second. second, I'll have to find this text. I can't find where it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, this idea of sutra as a form of the Uh is mentioned... Uh, In the Bhagavatam, uh, 1085.5, where in the purport to that text it says, very interesting explanation, when creating the material universe the Lord expands himself as the Paramatma or super soul. and accepts the creation as his universal body. So notice that he's the super soul of the creation. No material body has any reason for existing without some jiva soul desiring it for his enjoyment. That's a principle. And no jiva can independently maintain a body without the paramatma accompanying him there for guidance. That's a fact, how do you, for example, I have this material body and it's my body and you know, I lift my arm, I want to, if my, and it go, how did I do that? How did I do this simple act of lifting my arm? I have not got the faintest idea. All I know is I get the desire to lift my arm and it goes. Who actually does it? There's no Paramatma, it wouldn't happen. To blink an eye to do anything, the Paramatma is there together with the Jiva. You know? And why, of all the souls in the world, why is this particular body the one that I call mine and that experiences my own, and not some others? It's Paramatma that arranges for that connection. Then he goes; they go on here, the Vaishnava Acharyas, in their commentaries on the second Canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam explain that even before Brahma is born from the lotus navel of Garbhodakshayi Vishnu, he first accepts the whole material energy, the mahatattva as his body. So he's the first created being, and therefore the, before he's born, he's still in the egg, or the womb, or whatever. Right? He's not even born yet. He's not born until that lotus opens up. So this is the cosmic embryology. There's the jiva soul who now has accepted a primitive, uh, a, a, a fetus, you might say, a garba, uh, 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 made of the mahatattva that's his body. And just as a, a child in the womb starts off with a very simple one-celled body, and then, you know, so Brahma, same way. Uh, thus, did they go on, Brahma is the Jiva embodied by the universe. That means the universe is the body of Brahma. And Vishnu is the Paramatma who joins him. Just like we have the Atma here in my body, there's the Jiva and the Paramatma. So the universe, the Jiva is Brahma. And the Paramatma who joins him is the Garbo Dakshayi Uh Vishnu. And then it says, Brahma must organize the specific manifestations of creation, but he cannot begin to do so until Lord Vishnu expands himself again into the subtle energy of action, which is the sutra tattva, or original vital air. So before there's vayu, there's the sutra tattva, the original vital air, and also into the creative energy of consciousness buddhi tattva. So these are some earlier manifestations. And then uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur uh, says uh, Vasudev said uh, commenting on, on this verse that I've just been reading moreover you are the maintainer of the universe. By entering within the universe in your personal form as the Supersoul or Supreme Soul, you expand yourself as the subtle energy of action, Kriya Shakti, uh, which is, the Kriya Shakti, or I told you, is another name for, for the mode of passion, or Kriya Shakti is what comes out, part of the mode of, another way of expressing the mode of passion, the powers of action, which is the Sutra Tattva. So again, he uses the term the sutra-tatra. Sutra means thread, like Vedanta Sutra. The sutra-tatra, or original vital air. That's where they get this from in the Bhagavatam, the prana. And also into the creative energy, buddhi-tatva, or jnana-shakti. So this jnana-shakti now has this other name, mode of goodness, as the buddhi-tatva. Uh, the creative energy of consciousness, where the word jiva is used for consciousness. In other words, you maintain the universe in your form as the vital air, the intelligence, and the active and perceiving senses. Uh, and then, uh, Vishma Chakravarti Thakur uh, mentions in commenting on 2.5.24, says, that ahankara transforms into three types derived from sattva, rajas, and tamas called jnana shakti, kriya shakti, drovya shakti. We've just gone through that already. Uh, And he reviews this. the, uh, The drovya shakti has the capacity to produce the five gross elements starting with ether, Kriya Shakti, the capacity to produce the senses. The Jnana Shakti, the capacity to produce the sense devatas. The state of equilibrium is Pradhana. By agitation of time, the predominance of Sattva produces the Mahatattva. So there they mention Sattva first comes out to produce this Mahatattva. Predominance of Rajas produces this sutra tatwa, a type of mahatattva. Predominance of tamas produces a hankara, uh, and so on. So, that's where this uh, the sutra uh, is there that is mentioned by uh, by uh, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur there. Um, um, if you get this document uh, if you or if you already have it because we did pass it out earlier you will you will uh, be able to uh, uh, understand huh he's being helded out, he's being held out as, as i speak as I speak uh so this is this is the inventory as anyways Krishna's given us so Udva is asking, uh, according to Vishna Chakravarti, you should explain with what intention others proclaim a variety of opinions about the numbers of elements. O Lord who lives for all time, Ayushman, with an eternal form, I should ask you, since you alone know the intentions of all the sages who have a beginning, middle, and end. You're in a privileged position. You can tell me, why do they do that? Why do they come up with these things? What are we supposed to make of this? Uh, but after all, there are sages, there are authorities. They're, what makes them all rishis is they accept the authority of the Vedas, but then they come up with these kind of different uh, different conclusions. Uh, let me just uh, refer you to the also the the purport in the BBT edition. Uh it says here... Uh, the Lord Krishna thoroughly explained in the previous chapter that Vedic knowledge is not meant for sense gratification, but for liberation from material bondage. Now Uddhava presents some intermediate questions that must be answered so the path of liberation will be clear. So that's really his intention. The Jnana Shakti is to clear the path of liberation. So one of the, see when you have a system of categories, it's it's like putting on glasses. You know, you look at the world through those categories, and some things you see and some things you don't see. When you look at the world, what do you notice, what do you not notice? But, I, but when I was uh, uh, studying philosophy in the universities, I saw many different philosophers, and it was very interesting because Like, for example, a philosopher like Aristotle will give you all these different categories for understanding the world, and you'd put on the Aristotle glasses and categories, and it was kind of neat and together and comprehensive and attractive, and you kind of understood the world in a certain way. And he produced his categories because Plato, his teacher, had categories, but those categories, Aristotle complained, doesn't explain motion. How can you leave that out? Well, if you're in the Platonic world, you don't think it's even important to worry about that. But Aristotle wanted to know how you explain it, you know. So if there's the Plato uh, lens you look through, and then and then the, the you know the Aristotle, lens, and every lens you look through, every everything, some things become in focus and are important. Other things are not are ignored. And it's, if you want to take in everything undifferentiated, you can You need a map. The map is not the territory, but you need a map. You need a map. And Krishna's given us the map. And when Prabhupada was in Philadelphia in 75, I sat there, we had a discussion. I was walking in the morning with him with some members of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, of which I was a part. Bhaktiswara Abhlamana was there. We were discussing some of these things. And Prabhupada continued that discussion in the Bhagavatam class. And he mentioned the modern scientist. He says... He says, you've been given, given this life, it's, you, you're like, it's like you have a car. The human body is like a car. And you've been given that car to take a journey. But they say, you know, wow, you know, this car is amazing. It's really far out. You know, how does it work? You push, pull your car over to the side of the road. open the hood and you start taking it apart because it's so interesting to see how it works. And you never take the journey. So there can be many, many, many different ways of looking at it and understanding, but the point is to take the journey. You know? So that's what Krishna's point is here. So the path of liberation will be clear. If for people liberation is not important, then they won't appreciate this. But there's some reasons now why liberation is important. That also happens in this chapter Different philosophers have historically disagreed over the exact numbers of material elements and about the existence and none of existence of particular external objects and about the existence of the soul itself. That's sure, more haven't, you know, pounded on. And Yudhisthira says in the Mahabharata, the no one can be considered to be a Rishi unless he has got an opinion different from all the other rishis. If you just agree, it's the end of your career. You have to make a original constitution, right? Uh, the Gyanakanda section of the Vedas aims at liberation through analytical understanding of the material world and of the spirit soul as transcendental element beyond matter. Ultimately, the Supreme Lord himself stands above the elements and maintains them by his personal potency. Uddhava mentions in numerical terms the different methodologies of various sages, citing first the Lord's own opinion, the word ayushman or possessing eternal form. is significant in this regard. Since Lord Krishna is eternal, he possesses all knowledge of past, present and future and is thus the original and supreme philosopher. They're elaborating on the point that Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur made to this Ayushman. You're different from all these other guys. They have a begetting middle, and end, and you are so on forever. And then they mention, according to Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur, the different analytical approaches mentioned by Sri Uddhava are actually not contradictory. That's actually what Krishna says later on. Uh, since they are different methods of categorizing the same reality. Uh, atheistic speculation on reality does not recognize the existence of God. Consequently, it is a worthless attempt to explain the truth. The Lord himself empowers different living entities to speculate and speak on reality in different ways. Yeah, Krishna says, from me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. He says in the Bhagavad Gita, when they want to forget me, I give them the power, the intelligence to forget me. The Dhamma I give them the buddhi that they can forget. Uh, That's his super soul. The actual reality, however, is Lord himself who will now speak to Sri Uddhava. So that's the introduction to this uh, chapter uh, and uh, and the different uh, 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 things that are uh, said here. And uh, then uh, now this is his question, these these three verses, and then uh, the next uh, class uh, will take up the beginning of uh, uh, Krishna's uh, inter- very interesting uh, uh, and very, I-, I would say, broad-minded uh, uh, response to to this uh, this question. Uh, he admits of some pluralism, as you might say, <laughs> in the, the legitimate pluralism, you might say, they're not exactly wrong. Okay, uh, we'll st- we'll stop there, and uh, uh, I, I, I can uh, to those that want it, we can also send out this kind of uh, 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 little uh, sec- division of sections that I've made in this chapter. Sometimes. This changes as it goes along a little bit when I get to know things a little bit better, but but uh, it's basically tell you uh, you know how the how the this chapter uh, fits between the other two chapters and how it leads into the next one and uh, what we are going to discover as we continue. So let me uh, now I uh, switch over uh, this. I'm going to turn. Home. Make sure it's turned up all the way. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, the volume is up, and so people can call in and be heard by everybody here, our studio audience, and also hopefully the people on Ustream. And Ustream can can uh, text in uh, uh, any particular uh, uh, question or comment.
1: Yeah, Kendra has a question, um, the first part you already answered, but he said if you have anything else to add on. Mm-hmm. He says, I understand that Uddhava's inquiries are like Arjuna's, meant to benefit us. Could you say something about how it's beneficial to be aware of the many ways of enumerating the aspects of material creation? And he goes on, playing devil's advocate, could it be said that we could potentially Study and explain the mechanics of how we move our arm, etc.,
0: without recourse to paramama. Uh Yeah, if you if you take as your assumption that we can move our arm, explain it uh, by having recourse to the idea that you are your body, then there's no problem. Uh, but you know, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing that's happening now, See, because because again. Uh, material scientists are coming against consciousness. And every time they run into consciousness, it eludes their grasp. Because when you're just looking at matter, you can just see more and more subtle forms of matter. But somewhere the experience of matter is not there. You just can't get a hold of it. You, you, you You just can't grasp it how am I able to experience this body, how how is it there and uh, you know they can see things go from starting your brain they can translate neural transmissions uh, between the brain and other parts of the body and actually you know uh, they shouldn't understand that the whole nervous system is one brain you, you, have, you have a huge number of neurons, interconnected neurons, for example, in your guts. And this is more better realized than the idea of the chakras, these centers of energy, there's chakras. And they're all brains of different kinds. You know uh, The chakras are described, of course, as uh, 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 made of prana but there's associated with what those chakras are, various sorts of uh, neurons. You know, they don't really understand how it works. And, they, and then it looks like they're saying that when they look at the brain, there's something going on down on the level of quantum mechanics and then everyone, everyone flips. Well, they don't say they flip, but then how, how do you understand quantum mechanics? You start off as a biologist in a nice field where everything is knowable, then you get into quantum mechanics, which uh, you get principles of indeterminacy and things like that. You don't know what's going on, but it gets down that fine. Uh, Why understand these different ones? Uh, uh, Well, just to to avoid confusion. What about them? They say this. Uh, But we take people, Prabhupada was asked the question. He was giving a talk once in the early days, actually, you know, somewhere in the, you know, 67 or fairly early on, 66 maybe, and somebody said, Prabhupada explaining Khan, what about Lord Buddha? He said, what about Lord Buddha? Just like, how can you say this is right when Buddha said something else, this sort of thing? Uh, and, and Prabhupada said, uh, he said, yeah, people are asking, what about Buddha? What about Jesus Christ? He says, uh, oh, okay. He said, he, said, he said, don't be the jack of all trades and the master of none. Pick one and follow. Buddha is very good. He was a king. He had all opulence, and he gave up everything for uh, spiritual truth. Do that, or uh, Jesus? He, he he gave his life uh, to 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 save uh, so many other people. He came, he was even willing to give his life for the sake of other people. Follow him. Don't just say Buddha. Don't just say Jesus. Follow them. Follow them. That's what he said. Then don't be the jack of all trades and master no. I don't follow any of them because you go to the Christians and say what about Krishna, and you go to the Buddhists and say what about Jesus. You know. He saw what was really going on. So the the living entity sometimes has material attachments and actually wants to evade what is the purpose of our life. We are here for a purpose. That purpose is to get out of the material world and go back to Godhead. When we ignore that purpose, we lead messed up, fruitless, desperate, useless lives. Don't waste your life. And so that's the point of mentioning these things. And, you know, you should follow with He's smarter than we are and had direct association with Krishna. And he said, you know, I accept what you say, but, you know, kindly of explain this. He already understands all this. He's doing it for, for our benefit. And if you don't like that, okay, there's Jesus there, but do it. But right now they're, they're just tags on for, you know, not doing something.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. this uh, um, it's, uh, I just, it's very interesting to hear about Brahma being like the Jiva of the, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to follow that, so, if, if we look at all three of these Purusha avatars as super souls, mm. so then the, Shri Shadi Vishnu, okay, that's sort of easy, I mean, he's, He's the super soul in everyone's body, and the mm-hmm. corresponding jiva is mm-hmm. all the moving mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so now, today, we learned. Okay, this Garbhakshaya Vishnu, he's the super soul of, of the one universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. Now, Brahma is the corresponding yeah. jiva. So, is there an analog? Is Mahavishnu, if he's the super soul of all the universes, there a jiva? Uh, I, I have. I haven't. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's the same super soul in in, in three. Relationships. So this uh, this 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 Mahavishnu, I don't know that there's a particular, but somehow or other he's the super soul of all the universes. And how exactly that works, but there's no one jiva for all the universes. Each universe has its own jiva, and when he's present to that particular jiva, the, if we have the 4 handed headed Brahma, there's sixteen-headed Brahmas, and so on. That that's the one that that's 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 the various forms of Garbhodak uh, Vishnu for each of those, and that's how he appears to each one of them. But there isn't any one one for all the universes, so far as I know. I mean, all of this stuff is so far beyond our, our, our pay grade, as they say, you know, in government, when somebody asks, yeah, this is beyond my pay grade or a decision, you know. This is way over our pay grade, but Krishna is explaining it to us as best that we can understand it. We can't understand how you can have somebody with one neck and 18 heads, you know, I mean, who, you know, it's, it's, uh, the bodies as we know, it's physically impossible, but because it says that Brahma, you know, the four heads because he looked in four directions, and Sada used to say, well, if the brah has sixteen heads, that means there must be more dimensions than four-dimensional, you know, three-dimensional space. It must be, you know, some, th- you know, multi. These universes are only exist in, in, in more than three-dimensional spaces that we know. So, you know, wow, we can't, we can't think outside of our box. Because that's what we, our brains are to deal with. But people, other, how do the demigods work? I mean, if, 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 it must be that the consciousness of, if this is his body, then that must be the consciousness of Brahma and uh, must extend throughout the universe also. And then the devas, how does the devas who control the various senses, this is also explained in the Bhagavatam, there's one deva who controls all the eyes of all living entities that had the powers of sight. How is, he con- how is he wired into that? So each of the devas is also wired in as an, ex- we think of them as Brahma having that particular individual body, the devas having their own ind- ind- indra looks like this. but And they must do that for some, but also they have an extended body that that uh, that reaches throughout various aspects of the universe. What's because my body is that part of material nature that's immediately present to my consciousness. And so these devas must have you know parts of the universe that's immediately present to their consciousness in the same way that I can feel the hardness of the chair I'm sitting on, and that I can see the light in this room and and so on. It's immediate. So how do they do it? I have no idea. I don't need to know. Yeah? Um, I'll throw this out because uh, in school my son has been studying religious and scientific views of creation. Mm -hmm.
1: So I've also been reading it and thinking Mm -hmm. about it, and that uh,
0: a lot of the things that you're describing, that you were describing about the apparently undifferentiated Pradhan and Mm -hmm. different kinds of particular things are condensing out of it, Mm -hmm. that maybe not in every detail, but large, in broad strokes, is actually very compatible with a lot of uh, modern ideas of creation of the universe. Yeah, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, Prabhupada said that. He said, the way Prabhupada described the Big Bang Theory, there was a chunk and it exploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, that he says, yes, it's true. That, that chunk is the mm-hmm. Uh And it goes from subtle to gross. So, it, 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 it fits. They just don't, it's, it's, it's a problem a mathematical problem, actually. To start with the initial conditions of the universe are completely random. By a chunk they mean, you know, that there's no order whatsoever. And then simply by chance uh, interactions, in a certain number of times, because they give an estimate of uh, somewhere between four and five billion years, that the order can emerge. It just doesn't work by mathematically. You know, and so either you have to say that there's order at the beginning, or that somebody feeds it into them. Some, somebody has to have a thumb on the scale somewhere, <laughs> uh, and uh, they're, they're stuck with that. It's just an act of faith that somehow it happens. But when I first met Saraputo, he told me that that evolutionary theory, that in the sense of there not sense of being some mutations and so on but in the sense that evolution has the doctrine of everything about how everything comes from nothing without a god. That's what it was originally supposed to do, explain creation and order without recourse to a, a creator. And he told me, he says, you know, he said most, he said, I, I, didn't, I knew Darwin was wrong before I became a devotee. He said just, and he said, most mathematicians know Darwin is wrong but they don't say anything because it upsets the biologists so much. And that was the, you know, the, this, 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 this idea was getting some prominence, and then, then the scientific establishment freaked out. And it's all based on mathematical biology. It doesn't really work. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's rather an article that you have to accept of dogma in order to be have a job in a university now. And the, the, the people who know it's wrong, because I remember in the census there was a, in, in the 60s, in the early 70s rather, there was a scientific conference at the University of Pennsylvania at the Wistar Institute called Mathematical Challenges to Darwin's Theory of Evolution. And it was an mm-hmm. academic conference and its proceedings were published and today you couldn't have that in any university it just couldn't it's just not allowed and one one cosmology conference i read about where it was brought up that there's not enough time for order has to emerge from completely random initial conditions and somebody suggested there was some order in the beginning and then they said, well, how did that order get there? And, you know, there was the, 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 the one was called the, the, the Shuffled Deck Theory of the Universe. The cards are at random. And the other was the Stack Deck Theory of the Universe. They had a debate. It was reported. And, and the, the question of the Stack Deck Theory is you want to give a cause for some order. And it's mentioned, actually, that somebody at the conference mentioned the word God. And it just dismissed it by saying, but most scientists prefer not to take that cop-out route. So when you say that, when you say that, it means there is a rule of the game that you can't bring in God. It's a cop-out. The person who proposes God is like me going up to uh, people playing tennis and stopping the game and say, look, it'd be easier for you to get your ball to the other side if you could just get rid of that net.
1: <laughs> the net
0: is the point. So the rule of the game is we've got to do it without God. Who decides what the rules are? By what science do you proclaim a rule? Who makes rules and how are they made? And That inquiry is something that scientists feel very uncomfortable about going into, but it's actually, and it's very much part of the social enterprise of science, and what counts as science is what are the rules and who makes the rules and how do you know what's the rule that we follow and what rule we reject? Very interesting question, and one that's very upsetting to scientists who are just disinterestedly searching for truth no matter how it comes, yeah? Yeah, uh, well, just one one comment, quick about that. It's like the idea of like an explosion in a print shop, and all the like they used to have the way they used to print books. And they all lay out and somehow form the book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When the dust settles, you can read the book, right? Yeah. yeah. And what What about because that answers a lot of the questions, but what about the the why question? Why would the supreme personality of Godhead even want to do with any of this? Like, is there is there an answer to the why? Yeah, yeah. there's an that why would he want to create a universe? to give facility for those jivas who exercise a minute free will and would like to do their own little god project themselves, some scope for exercising their freedom. You have to, in order to forget Krishna, you have to be ignorant. So he makes us ignorant. He creates maya, the energy of maya. That's why he does it. It is by Krishna's mercy, as Prabhupada puts it, that we forget Krishna and by his mercy that we again remember him. And that realm of Maya is the material world. That's 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 why he does it. Now, you may object as if couldn't he do it some other way, but you know. Who are you to tell God how to work? It's to talk about above your pay grade. Because people think Many people think, who who reject God, I mean, a big problem, especially in the West, that's a little more of an open problem, is anger at God. Because they know if I created a universe, it would be a better universe, at least for me. (laughs) I could have done a better job if I were God. And so then God must be defective or or wicked or, or something like that. But I meet people that say I don't believe in God and then I have asked them to describe that God they don't believe in and then they describe the demon. There have been theories that the material universe has been created by demons. It's called Gnosticism. (laughs) Uh, But it's actually Krishna's job to arrange it so much for our going back to Godhead. That's what it is. That's what we're good for. And while respecting the limited freedom of the jivas. And at a certain point you have to say, he knows what he's doing. I couldn't do a better job. And the main thing is to take that, we can even talk about this because we're human beings and we're made for this journey back to Godhead. The the cockroaches have no philosophical problems. (laughs) Uh, they're they're happy, uh, happy atheists. Uh, they have no idea of God. And, and, and uh, so, you know, that's there. But uh, anyway, we're, we're human beings. We ask these questions because we do have uh, come to a level where we've got a sufficient consciousness where we feel we should be doing something significant with our lives. And if we just go through like automaton and yeah, go to school, get a job, work hard, retire and die. that's something we seem to have missed the boat on something. Was that all this was about? Just that? That's why I have the consciousness? Of the, that's why, why I have so many desires. I, I, I want, they want joy and I want eternal joy and it's not available. What? People are disappointed even the people who do all the right things, according to the economic system which now enslaves us. <laughs> so, you waste your life. Um,
1: Tulsi Priya has
0: a comment. A comment from Tulsi Priya. Go ahead.
1: Hi, Sugar Hi,
0: Krishna. You must ah. be on a... On a phone, huh? On, on a machine rather than a phone. Go ahead. I'm on, we'll I'm on a phone. Let me, let me unplug
1: and I'll, I'll talk to you on the phone and then, and then I'll take it offline. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can. Just speak a little slowly.
1: Okay. So my question is, at some point you were talking about the, the sutras and the, the Priya Shaktis and all of that, and you used the phrase when Rajas predominates. And at that moment, I realized that I don't know any particular definition of what rajas is. I've only understood it as as things that are not rajas have the qualities. Of. In other words, I only know it by its effects. And I'm wondering, is there a definition? Maybe I knew it and forgot, but what the gunas are. Because when you talk about creation, if there's nothing created yet, then what is Rajas to create things in a certain way? Is that making sense?
0: Yeah, it's, it's to give, uh, in this fundamental way is to give the living entities the powers of action. To do things, it's Kriya Shakti. It's the powers of action. And to do an act, there has to be a motive, a desire, uh, if I want I move, to move my hand, it means I want, I want to grab something. Uh, so, so every, every every action has a movement of the will. A philosophic is called a velity, a small movement of the will to, to do something. Before I do something, usually there's some desire, either to defend myself against a blow or, or, or to get a, a, a pizza. And you know there's desire so on the very basic level the senses are working that way because there's action and action means desire Uh, and so that and even you know as as long as you're in the material world there there has to be some uh, uh, amount of that Uh, and of course Krishna consciousness that desire is purified action is admitted as having a legitimate spiritual uh, dimension, when it's action that's done to satisfy the desires of Krishna, then you are not bound by it. But that's how it's manifest in the material world when there's forgetting of Krishna. Because they're all three forms of false ego. It's all to imagine the, 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 the jiva who is identifying, misidentifying the self, with the material body or mind but that helps
1: yes it does I guess if I were to nutshell it I would say that the Rajas would be action uh, which concomitantly it's also desire so desire driving action or action driven by desire
0: yeah Basically, um, sense gratification. Some is necessary to keep your body alive, just to take your next breath sense it. gratification, to try to do without it. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, you know, so you can't, without some sense gratification, you can't stay alive. So when I'm keeping my body alive for service to Krishna, then I don't become entangled with, with that sense gratification. It doesn't bind me. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you. I had a quick little comment.
0: Mhm.
1: Um, when you were talking about, in response to uh, Acharya Prabhu's question, it reminded me of uh, one time I was on. Uh, I was listening to Fresh Air, and Terry Gross was interviewing Brian Green, the frizz physicist,
0: mm-hmm. and.
1: I didn't know his connection with Yogeshwar but he, he, Terry Gross asked him, do you believe in God? And he said, he was basically agnostic, and he said, but sometimes I go and talk to my brother, who's a Hare Krishna, and I tell him, you know, different theories I'm working out and whatever, and he says, oh, that's all in our books already. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: Uh, the brother's Yogeshwar, you didn't mention that, yeah.
1: And uh, I wrote to Yogeshwar, I tried to figure out, cause I didn't know the connection, I tried to figure it out, and finally I figured out, you know, it must be Yogeshwar, and I had his email, and I wrote to him, I said, are you really Brian Greene's brother? And he wrote back to me, and he said, yes, I'm the pretty one in the family.
0: I'm the what in the family?
1: The pretty one. As opposed to, as opposed to the smart one. <laughs> Thank you very much for your answer.
0: Okay. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare
1: Krishna.
0: Anything else?
1: Uh a question. Uh, Ramananda asks, I've been told that a yogi who leaves his body having realized his super soul will go to Swetha not by
0: Kuntat. Is this true? To Swetha Depends on what you mean by Swetha uh, I guess it means the localized Vaikuntha planet is also a Swetha in, Drip in Vaikuntha, in the, in the spiritual world. That's where, because it's said in the Chaitanya Bhagavat that Navadrip is Swetha Uh And there's a, so there's a, there's a, 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 a Vaikuntha, I mean, there's a, yeah, you know, transcendent Svetadrip. But there is the white island where, uh, where, where, uh, um uh, Vishnu uh, Shirod- yeah Shishai the ocean no uh, ocean line Vishnu is, and so if 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 they're just yogis who are only Paramatma realized that's the form of of Krishna that they they would would go to, presumably you can go on from there or or, or whatever i don't I don't know what, what happens, but they 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 could they could do that or. But different yogis, they also also may may, uh, be Krishna devotees also. Depends. The ones that are talked about in the second canto are, are, uh, I think Prabhupada uses the term mystic bhakti yogis. They're they're yoga mishra bhaktas. So there's, there's bhakti mixed with some yoga. So they may go they would go out into the uh, transcendent uh, realm, uh, some form of Vishnu anyway. Okay? All right. So until next week, thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada, ki jaya, Srimad Bhagavatam, ki